Happy New Year, everybody. It's good to see you. I hope that nice shirt. Yeah, that's a Christmas gift. How about that? Uh, glad to see all of you. I want to welcome those of you who are joining us right now from an off-site campus or on the internet podcast. Uh, we're glad that you're along uh, too. I hope that you guys had a great uh, Christmas season. I know that we did. Um, then uh, New Year's, ours was a little hectic. On New Year's Eve, we welcomed uh, grandchild number seven to the family. And uh, now my habit is to show you a picture and kind of introduce introduce them. I'm not going to do that uh, this weekend. I'll do it next weekend. Uh, Her name is Emery Payton Ray, and uh, she's still in the hospital. If you guys could continue to pray for her. A few complications, uh, but her and Mama are doing good, and we hope to have her home in the next week or two. And uh, when we do, we will introduce her uh, to the church. That was the fifth grandbaby born in 2009. And so see if you can, see if you can top that, okay? See if you can top that. We, um, we, we're excited to start the new year. I know a lot of you uh, kind of want to know what's going on with Hope Epidemic. Well, I'm not going to tell you that either. I, I don't know yet. I know that you guys were generous beyond measure. And uh, in fact, we haven't measured it yet, but we're going to. And so next weekend, we'll let you know kind of uh, what, what the final, final tally was on the hope epi- epidemic. This weekend, I'm excited uh, because one of the, the neat things that I get to do as a senior pastor is uh, I get to introduce you uh, to my friends. And uh, somebody told me earlier, they said, well, we can't wait to meet more friends. Your, your friends are, uh, have really blessed our church, and they have. And uh, I want to introduce you this weekend to my friend, Matt Fry. In fact, Matt and his wife, Martha, are here and their entire family. And uh, let me tell you just a little bit about uh, Matt and Martha. I'm, I met them about maybe eight years ago, seven years ago, something like that. Uh, they came to celebrate an anniversary of their marriage here in Charleston. And they asked, you know, what was a good church to go to? And somebody said, well, you might try Seacoast. And so they came out and uh, I, I met them actually in the foyer that day. And uh, they said they were visiting pastors. We have a lot of visiting pastors. We may have some this weekend uh, who, who come just to spend a weekend with us. And uh, there was a connection that came. And Matt and Martha have become some of our really, really good friends. He's one of my best friends in life. And uh, Matt um, and I served together in India. i tell you just a little bit about what we do in India. And, and uh, Matt and, and Martha, uh, at first we went together and now we go kind of every other they go uh, uh, one time and we go six months later uh, uh, teaching leaders uh, in India. Matt also serves on um, the board of the ARC, the uh, uh, church planting organization that we, we founded. And uh, Matt is a part of that. And together we planted almost 60 churches last year. And you guys, a portion of what you gave to Seacoast went to plant churches uh, in the ARC. What's incredible about that is... Um, God is just blessing that incredibly. Uh, of the churches that are part of the ark and the ones that we planted, I think six, Matt, or seven of them were on a list of the fastest growing churches in America last year, of which uh, C3 Church in Raleigh uh, that Matt pastors is. Their church, I have spoken at their church on several occasions. One of my favorite churches to speak at. You got to, they pastor just outside of Raleigh, just south of Raleigh. Matt always told me that our church is in Raleigh. Well, Matt doesn't tell the truth, and you're going to find that in just a few minutes. If Matt says anything about me, uh, it's probably not true in the next few minutes. So I just want to set that up and let, let you know. But they, they pastor nowhere. I mean, they, they have a great church. They have several thousand people that attend in the middle of a tobacco field. 
that you can't get to uh, south of Raleigh. It's just an incredible thing. God is doing a, a phenomenal, phenomenal thing just south of Raleigh. And uh, uh, just, just a neat deal. And so I asked Matt if he would come and share this weekend. And so would you give a warm welcome uh, to my friend Matt Fry as he comes just to share with us. Well, you guys have an incredible pastor, don't you? Pastor Greg and Debbie, let's give it up for them. great to be here at Seacoast Church. I think you, you, may, you may or may not know this, but your church is an incredibly influential church. And hundreds and hundreds of churches around the country, in fact, even around the world, have been impacted by what has happened here at Seacoast and with all of your 18,000 multi-site campuses, all right? So give yourself a hand for all that God has done in your life and at Seacoast Church. Man. Great to be here, and uh, what an awesome place to live. Of course, I know some of you. Is my mic okay? I said, praise God for plan B. Amen? Awesome. Which is really cool because today I'm going to talk to you about how to move forward. How to move forward. How to put the past behind you and move forward. Now, this is the first weekend of the new year. This is the time of year that many of us make New Year's resolutions, Right? So are, are you guys kind of thinking about maybe you already have kind of what you're going to do differently this year than last year? Any of you kind of either a resolution or kind of whatever it is, a fresh start, some new goals? Anybody in here? You guys don't do that here in South Carolina, do you, right? There's a few of you, right? I also have a bunch of you guys in North Carolina. They were all raising their hands because in North Carolina, we are very focused. And, you know, we've got the Carolina Tar Heels. I mean, come on, we got we got teams that actually win in North Carolina. Just kidding. Yeah, you still love me? All right. I did watch the game. Uh, I don't know if you watched the Gamecocks game, but uh, hey, how about next year, right? At least it's the last game. Got to look at the positive. It's the last game of the season, and we've got next year, right? Uh, I was thinking about, you know, 2010, the new decade, some maybe some new resolutions. And so I thought, you know, in the past, I've really, you know, if you're like me, sometimes you make these resolutions and they don't really go the way that you plan, right? And so I thought, I'm going to accomplish some things this year that uh, I'm going to set some goals that I know that I can actually fulfill, all right? So I've determined this year, uh, part of my New Year's resolution is I am not going to run a marathon. I thought I can probably accomplish that, right? All right? And uh, I've also decided that I'm going to at least once a month eat ice cream. That's one of my New Year's resolutions, all right? So if you set some resolution, in fact, I've learned from Pastor Greg, if you, if you set the bar low enough, you can reach your goals every time, right? Just kidding. So let's turn our Bibles to Philippians chapter 3, and we're going to look at just a couple of verses today of how we can move forward. Everybody say, move forward. As we're talking about 2010, we're talking about the new year, we need to look at what are some things that we can do to move forward. And maybe as you look back at 2009, maybe it wasn't quite the year that you hoped it would have been. Maybe as you look back at 2009, maybe there's some mistakes that you made, some things that you'd like to improve on. Maybe it was a tough year. I've talked to so many people. They said, man, praise God 2010 is here because 2009 was tough. How many of you in here say, yeah, that's, that's me. It was, it was a tough year. For a number of reasons. Maybe there were some things out of your control, but maybe there were some things that 
actually within your control, some mistakes that you look back and say, boy, if I could turn back the clock, I would have done a few things differently. So let's look at Philippians chapter 3 and beginning in verse 13. I'm sorry, verse 12. It says, not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I can't tell you how many times I've gone back to this scripture as there's been times in my life where I've, I've been, I really need to put the past behind me. I want to move forward. I want to do, have a fresh start with God. And in this passage we see was, was written by Paul. And actually he is in prison writing this. Think about that. He's in prison. He's writing these words. And the first thing we see here, and I'm going to share with you several thoughts from this passage. He says in verse 12, not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. The first thing that we must understand, if you want to move forward in 2010, you want 2010 to be all that you would like for it to be, and but most importantly, what God wants it to be, is don't wear a mask. You can't wear a mask. Look what he says. Paul says, not that I've already obtained all of this. You have to be honest with yourself and honest with God that I, you haven't arrived. Look at the person next to you and say, you haven't arrived yet, right? I love that little GPS. you got the little GPS where it says, you have arrived. I just keep backing up and moving forward so I can just keep hearing that over and over and over. I love that GPS. You have arrived. But the truth is, none of us have arrived, have we? And, and often as, as believers, if we're honest, a lot of times we can play games. We can wear this mask and we can be one way on Sunday or one way on the weekend at church and another way during the week, right? We play this little, wear, wear this little mask. But if you're going to move forward, you have to be honest. You have to realize that you maybe have made a mistake. I've learned one of the most powerful prayers that you can pray is I need help. Help me. And so we can't wear a mask. You know, a lot of times, you know, if you've ever, ever experienced this, you know, you're trying to get to church and sometimes, how I many you know, it can get a little bit crazy. So you're trying to get all the kids in the car if you've got kids. And, and you, so you're wrestling them in. And a couple of your kids get into a fight and you get frustrated. You're running late and you're, I'm not saying you're, you know, cussing necessarily, but maybe some bad words, right, in the car. And I'm sure maybe some of you have done that. Not that I have ever said a bad word, but... You get to church and you're just like, just fuming mad. You walk in the door and the first person you see is like, how are you doing, sister? God bless you. Hallelujah. Good to see you. How can I pray for you, sister? Right? You're one way, just, you're just cussing your family out two minutes earlier. Now you're like, hallelujah, praise God. How are you doing? Good to see you. How can I pray for you? I feel so holy. Right? And sometimes you got to realize that you just got to be honest. Be honest with God. Be honest with yourself and say, I have not arrived. Take off the mask. It doesn't mean that you have to tell all your problems to everybody, but you certainly need to be real. You have to be real. Take off the mask. Paul says, I haven't arrived. I'm not perfect. I've made mistakes. Heard about a guy who was out of work, couldn't find a job anywhere, went all over trying to find a job. Finally, he went to the zoo. And the guy says, man, I don't have anything. I'm sorry, bro. 
He says, I've got, I'm desperate. I'll do anything. He said, well, actually, we don't have a gorilla right now. So it's kind of a crazy idea, but if you kind of dress up like a gorilla and pretend to be a gorilla, then, you know, you can do that. The guy's so desperate, he's like, okay, I'll do it. So he, he dresses up like a gorilla, and it's, everything's going great, and he's like hopping around. All the kids are laughing, and, you know, it's, just, it's working. He's like, this is really cool. He starts swinging from the, from the ropes and just having a great time. All of a sudden, he swings so far, he goes over into the next cage with this huge lion. And all of a sudden, he loses it. He starts freaking out. He's like, somebody get me out of here. Somebody get me out of, get me out of here. The lion says, shut up or we'll both get fired. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. You got to get real, right? None of us have arrived. You can't play games. Don't put on a mask. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13 says, A man who refuses to admit his mistakes can never be successful. But if he confesses and forsakes them, he gets another chance. Aren't you thankful that our God is the God of second chances? Aren't you thankful that God can give us forgiveness and and he can cleanse us and we can move forward? Hey, maybe as you look back at 2009, maybe the first thing you and I need to do is say, you know what, I have to be honest and I've made some mistakes. I, I need to move forward. I need to ask God for forgiveness. The second thing is this we see from Paul is that we must put the past behind us. Put the past behind you. Look at verse 13. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do. Paul says, here's one thing that I do. Forgetting what is behind. Now think about Paul. He'd made a lot of mistakes, hadn't he? In fact, before he became a believer, he had persecuted Christians. He'd even killed Christians. And as he looked back, he looks back on his life, and he actually had committed murder. And he thought back of all the mistakes that he had made. And he realized that, number one, not only have I not arrived, but number two, I have to forget what is behind How many of you know sometimes you just got to try to put the past behind you? We've made mistakes and and it's hard to forget all the time, but we got to make sure that whenever we're moving forward, that we put the past behind us. We say, you know, I'm giving that to God. I'm not going to live in the past. I've learned two things. You can't live in past failures. And number two, you can't live in past successes. Because if you live in a past failure then you're constantly just, you know, beating yourself up and you you just feel like you can't do anything right. But also, I've discovered if you live in your past successes, what can happen? You just get complacent. And all of a sudden, you all of a sudden you get filled with pride and next thing you know, you know what happens if you get filled with pride? Pride comes before what? A fall. And so we got to understand that we got to put the past behind us. And many times we never can move forward because we're continuing to live in the past. And as you look back at 2009, there's probably some things that you would say, you know, I need to put some of these things behind me, right? I need to leave this in 2009. I don't want to carry this into 2010. Maybe it's a habit. Maybe it's a mistake. Maybe it's some situation that you were dealing with and maybe you don't think you didn't really handle that well. But 2010, it's a fresh start. I'm going to put the past behind me. We all make mistakes, and we all can improve. You know, I was, uh, my my aunt up in Michigan, Aunt Midge, 
she uh, had a desire to to um, get in shape, to lose weight. One of the things us fries like to do is we like to eat. That's my spiritual gift is eating. And uh, so she wanted to lose some weight. She was about five feet tall, about five feet wide. No, just kidding. And so she wanted to lose weight, so she made this, this whole deal where she was going to, uh, you know, do the whole Weight Watcher deal, some kind of little weight loss plan. And so this was like early into it, like her first week, she was going to get back in shape. And so she was trying to follow this little plan, right? This little, this new meal plan. You ever done that where you try to follow? I'm going to eat so many calories. And so for breakfast, her deal was she was going to eat some dry toast, nothing on it, uh, some, uh, like a, a grapefruit and some juice. So she sits down in this cafeteria and she's got her dry toast and she's got her grapefruit and her juice. In walks this businessman and uh, he's got like these two big old donuts and a cup of coffee. Well, he sits down, he eats a donut, drinks his coffee, and gets up and leaves. True story. My aunt, she sees that donut sitting there. She's thinking, you know, that's such a waste, right? I mean, I can't just leave that donut there. So she walks over there, she looks around, she goes, she sits down at the little table where she sees that big old donut. She picks up the donut takes a big old bite. About that time, that guy came back with his second cup of coffee. <laughs> Abby knows she had to put the past behind her, right? It's like... So first of all, we, we can't wear a mask. Everybody say, don't wear a mask. Secondly, we need to put the past behind us. Everybody say, put the past behind us. And then number, number three is we need to lean forward. See, as we put the past behind us, we realize that although we've made mistakes in the past, that we're, we're not going to live in the past. And Isaiah chapter 43 verse 18 says, Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. If you've made mistakes... And today you need forgiveness. I have good news for you. We serve a God who forgives. And guess what else? He also forgets. Sometimes it's hard for us to forget, but we know that God can forget. And 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us from all unrighteousness. Maybe you're, fil- you're filled with guilt today. Satan wants you to live in guilt. He wants you to stay in a life of guilt. But with God's power, we can be set free and we can experience freedom in Christ. Maybe you have regrets from the past, but with God's help, you can actually get a fresh start and you can receive forgiveness through Jesus Christ. Maybe you feel lonely and isolated, but with Christ, he can allow you to feel accepted and loved as only as our Heavenly Father can. But then number three, as we lean forward, we see in verse 13, it says, Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. If you have your Bible, underline those two words, straining toward, straining toward. Really, the picture here is of a, of a race. And as you know, as you get to the end of the race, you have to lean forward at the end. And whoever, sometimes it's just a small... Uh, just a small difference between the person who wins and the person who gets second place, whoever leans in at the end. In fact, the whole time you're, you're running, you can't run on the back of your heels, can you? You have to run on the front of your heels. Now, I'm, I'm not an expert 
at, at uh, track and field and running. I ran for a couple of years, but that was just not my sport. But I do know enough about uh, about track and field that I know that you have to kind of you have to lean forward when you're running, and that's what Paul's here is the picture he's painting is we have to strain toward what is ahead that we have to lean forward. There's something about leaning forward that makes a difference. You know, as you're as you're as you're sharing something with somebody else, you're sharing something from your heart, and they're, they're leaning forward, what does it say to you? If people lean in when you're talking, if people lean in when uh, maybe you're trying to share your heart with them, or people who lean in during a sermon, right? If you're leaning in, there's something about leaning in that shows I, I'm interested. I, wanna, I want something good to happen here. And, and Paul is giving a picture here that we need to lean forward. Think about people in the Bible who, who lean forward, who are really pursuing God with passion, who say, you know, I'm not going to just sit back and wait for something to happen, but I'm going to pursue God with everything I've got. Think about the story of the woman who had the blood disease. She'd been sick for 12 years. Can you imagine? 12 years with this blood disease. And she thought, if I can just get to Jesus, if, if I could just touch G- just the hem of his garments, maybe, just maybe I could be healed. And so I'm just getting a picture here, and she's, Jesus is walking through the crowds, and so apparently she had to f- kind of fight through the crowds to get to Jesus. She probably had to throw a few elbows to get to him, right? She probably had to get really low down and crawling on her knees. And she's like, if I can just touch the hem of his garments. And as she leaned in, she was healed. And Jesus says, some power has just left me. And he looked at that woman and says, your faith has just healed you. There's something about leaning in. And in 2010, I want to challenge you here at Seacoast to lean in to God, to lean in with passion, to pursue Him with everything you've got, not waiting for something to happen, but lean in with everything you've got and let God know, you know what, God, I want more of you in 2010. I'm going to pursue you with passion in 2010 in a way that maybe I didn't in 2009. Amen? One of the ways that you can do that is uh, some of you may have heard about this, but we're going to, uh, Seacoast is joining C3 and other churches around the country, even around the world, in 21 days of prayer and fasting. Have you heard about this yet? 21 days. And uh, we're fired up about this at C3. Uh, the reason why is because there's no greater way to kick off a year than with really seeking God with praying and fasting. So next Sunday, January 10th, we're going to begin 21 days of fasting. If you want more information, you can uh, contact Seacoast, and they'll get you all the details. It's primarily a Daniel fast, which is fruits and vegetables, so no, uh, no sweets and, and bread and you know, all the stuff that, uh, that all of us like to eat, right? So for 21 days, mostly fruits and vegetables. But the whole deal is it's not a weight loss plan, right? We're not trying to lose weight. We're trying to lean into God. We're trying to pursue him and say, Jesus, I want you to know that you have first place in my life and we're going to pursue you. There's a variety of ways that you can do that. But the Bible says that some things you and I can only know through prayer and fasting. So let's lean in in 2010. Let's pursue God with passion. Let's watch God do some amazing things in our lives. And when we lean forward, that's when we see God do amazing things. The next thing that we see that Paul shares with us in verse, verses 12 through 14 of Philippians 3, he says, Press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in 
Christ Jesus. The next thing I want to share with you is that we must set goals based on God's vision for your life. Set goals based on God's vision. You know, if we're not careful, we can, we can do a real good job of setting goals. But it's basically what we want to see happen. I want to challenge you in 2010 to set goals based on God's vision for your life, not just what you want to see happen. Take your goals before God and say, God, I want to get involved in what you're doing rather than telling you what I'm going to do and ask you to get involved in what I'm doing. What goals do you want me to set for my family? What goals do you want me to set for me physically, spiritually? And you can just take the different categories with your ministry. What are the goals that you would have for me to set in 2010? There's something about setting goals that really helps you to accomplish something for God. There's nothing wrong with setting goals, but we need to make sure that they're goals that come from God and not just what we want personally. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. See, God says, I, have, I know the plans that I have for you. And what are they? To prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. You see, God is a planner. He planned you. He planned creation. He is a planner. And you know what? God wants you to become all that you can be in His power. And He has a vision for your life. And He has a plan for your life. And as we go to Him and say, God, no longer am I going to try to tell you what my plan is, that I want you to bless it. But what is your plan? And I want to get involved in what you're doing. And whenever we do that, what happens is we make a difference for the cause of Christ. The result is that lives will be changed. And I pray that my life will be determined not by duration, but by donation. That I would live in such a way that I would make a difference in people's lives. That wouldn't be just about what I can get, but what I can give and how I can serve others and how I can make a difference in the lives of others around me. Because when our goals are, come from God, then others' lives are going to be impacted and God's vision is going to be worked in us and through us. And I've discovered that I get a lot more out of life whenever I trust God rather than I trust myself. Amen? And so determine your goals based on what God's vision is for your life. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2 says, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. So have your vision and get your goals and write them on paper, but make them real simple and make them achievable and, and make them strategic, and, and, but make them challenging as we move forward in 2010, believing that God has incredible plans for your life. So as we look at Philippians chapter 3, we can see how Paul challenges us not to live in the past, not to wear a mask, but to lean forward and to set goals based on God's vision for our life. You know, there's been many times in my life that maybe like you have as well, where I've been tempted to kind of give up and throw in the towel. There's been, there's been certain seasons in my life where I didn't really want to move forward. And maybe some of you feel like that right now. Maybe even some of you right now, you feel like giving up. Maybe giving up on God. It may be giving up on your marriage. It may be giving up on a relationship. It may be giving up in a ministry role. 
But right now, maybe some of you right now, you just come to the place where you're just like, you know, I just think I'm going to quit. I just think I'm going to give up. You know, Satan would love for you to live in the past. Satan would love for you to, to, to not move forward. But if we're honest with God and say, you know what, God, right now, everything in me wants to give up. But I need you to help me, to give me the desire, to give me the passion to move forward. As Pastor Greg shared, um, I, Martha and I, we planted C3 Church about 11 and a half years ago. And a few years into it, the church was rapidly growing. We built our first building, but it was a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. And a few years into it, there were some people that were saying some not so nice things about me. You know, and I thought churches were supposed to be perfect, right? I mean, nobody says bad things about the pastor in churches, do they? Well, you know, I had this perception when we first started the church is that I'm going to be everybody's best friend forever and ever and ever, right? And I just realized that it doesn't always work out that way. And so I was discouraged. And people were saying things about me. And they probably, some of them are probably true, you know. And, but it really hurts whenever you hear things, or, or especially when people don't even share them with you. And, and so we were kind of, even during the season of growth and so forth, it was just go, I was just going through one of those challenging times. Came down to Seacoast. The leadership team, after we had the big celebration for the new building, the church was doing great, but I wasn't doing great. You know, sometimes everything around you can be doing, going well. But you know whenever your soul is not healthy. My soul was not healthy. So I came down to Charleston. Leadership team sent me on a little mini sabbatical. Came down and Greg was gracious enough to, he barely even knew who I was at the time. We talked a couple of times and he, we went out and we went golfing together. And I don't really golf, but Greg's like, hey, we can hang out. But I golf on this day. So we went golfing and I put a name on every ball. That really helped. And uh, it was it was a very bad day of golfing for me. And uh, Greg was like, in fact, the phrase of the day that I heard from Greg was, well, that shot wasn't too bad. I mean, that was, I heard that quite a bit the, the whole day. And then we got done, and, and uh, of course, I'm trying to share my heart with them. And, and we go to Starbucks. We're sitting in the Starbucks, and I'm sharing my heart. I'm just like, you know, singing the blues, feeling sorry for myself. You know, this this happened, and this person said that, and this person left the church. And and Greg listened to me. He said, you know what? He said, that's part of a growing church. That's just part of life. It just happens. It's happened at Seacoast. It's just part of what happens whenever you're in a situation where the church is growing, and people are people. People aren't perfect. Churches aren't perfect. I complained a little bit more, and he continued to encourage me. I complain some more. But you don't really understand. He's like, I do understand, right? We finished that whole conversation. I came back and and with renewed passion, renewed energy, and we just continued to move forward for the cause of Christ. You know, that that was probably seven, six or seven years ago. You realize hundreds and hundreds of people's lives have been impacted. Churches have been planted. I had no idea at that time that I'd be traveling to India with Pastor Greg, training 800 pastors in South India, planting churches all over the United States, making a difference for the cause of Christ. As I look back, I think, man, I'm so thankful that I didn't stay where I was, that I didn't give up, 
that I didn't throw in the towel, that I didn't stay where I was, but that I was willing to move forward. And sometimes you just need somebody to come alongside and encourage you and say, don't give up. Don't quit. I know it's hard. I know everything in you wants to quit, but don't give up. You know, I came here today with one simple message when Pastor Greg asked me to speak, and that was to encourage you to move forward, that God's grace is enough. And today, you may feel like giving up. You may feel like throwing in the towel. You may feel like, I just can't do this anymore. I have good news for you. You can move forward. You can take one more step. You can make a difference for the cause of Christ as you put your life in God's hands. Will you do that today and say, God, I give you my life. I give you 2010. I want to move forward. I don't want to live in the past. Will you pray with me right now? And God, I thank you for your love for us that is beyond what we deserve. And I thank you, Lord, that you forgive us and you cleanse us and you give us a fresh start and you're the God of second chances and you're the God of third chances and fourth chances and fifth chances, God. Today, I just believe that there's many right now that need a second chance. There are many right now that need a fresh start. And God, what better time than right now as we're beginning a new year, to say, God, I give you my life. I'm trusting you with my future. You may be here today and you say, you know, to be honest, I'm not sure that I'm a Christian. I'm not sure that I have a personal relationship with Jesus. But today, as I begin 2010, I want to nail it down for sure and forever that Jesus Christ is my personal Savior and Lord. And if that's your desire right now, I want to give you a chance to pray from your heart to God, realizing that you have sinned and that God died on the cross and He rose from the dead so that you could be saved. And Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Christ was raised from the dead, you will be saved. Would you pray this prayer right now from your heart to God? This is a personal prayer between you and God. Just pray something like this. Say, Dear God, I realize that I've sinned. Please forgive me. Thank you for dying on the cross and for rising from the dead. Come into my heart and save me. Thank you for giving me eternal and abundant life. Help me to live for you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen.